There are few things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Welcome to this week's edition of Next Steps Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. As always, it's great to have you with us again. Our guests today are Andy Berger and Blanquita Cullum. Andy Berger was with us back in January. She's a speaker, author, sexual abuse survivor, and an outspoken, knowledgeable, and respected voice against human trafficking. She also founded Beulah's Place, an Oregon nonprofit organization that helps at-risk homeless youth escape sexual exploitation. And many of you already know Blanquita, or BQ as her friends call her, call them. Recently inducted in the Texas Radio Hall of Fame, BQ is the host of the daily radio show, The Hard Question. Andy Berger, it's nice to have you back. And BQ, welcome to Next Steps Forward. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Yes, Chris. Thank you again. It's an honor. No, the honor is mine. Believe me. So, ladies, I usually open the podcast with a long introduction of the guests, but today I'd like to turn those duties over to you. Andy and BQ, for those in our audience who may not be familiar with your life stories and careers, why don't each of you take a minute or two and share your stories? You know, Andy, I just shared some of your background, but how about you, you share, your sto- share your story first? Okay, sounds great. Well, uh, from ages six months to 17 years old, Chris, uh, before the term human trafficking ever existed, I was actually trafficked by family members, primarily my birth mother and birth, birth father, but um, that's, it was made for a very bad childhood, but it was so tough that by the time I was five years old, I actually attempted suicide. I went to the curb of my house. And I thought, you know, she's already told me my life is going to be taken. Uh, She can do whatever she wants, so I'm going to beat her to the punch, and I'll just run out in front of a car, and it'll be over with, and at least I'll be at peace. But uh, no car came by that day as I sat there waiting, and I looked into this huge sky, and it was so blue and so, so big. I thought, who made this? You know, how far does it go? And is there something or somebody bigger than the people that were hurting me every day, that were using me and, and just torturing me? And, you know, in that moment in my life, you know, God interceded, and I heard this voice that said, this is not the plan I have for you. You know, suicide is not the answer. And I don't know at five how I would have even known that term or what it meant, but I knew that there was someone who had a plan for me. And so, obviously, I didn't run in front of any cars, and there were no cars that day. I went back up to my garage, and I basically said, if you keep me alive, I'll do whatever it is you call me to do. And it was a very painful uh, childhood until I got to 17, which was the last time my birth mother tried to take my life. Um, And then I left for college, and that's where I started uh, trying to figure things out. So fast forward through college and through law school, and then ultimately um, into a good marriage uh, after a bad one. And then that's where Beulah's Place and Voices Against Trafficking came out of. Well, we're all lucky and blessed that the skies were blue that day and there were no cars. Yes. Thank BQ, you. how about you? Well, I've had a little bit of a different journey. And mine really was started as a, as a kid uh, in California with a Mexican mother and a father that was from Liverpool. And I, we ended up moving to Texas. My dad dies early. And somehow, you talk about God putting you on a path. I ended up working in radio, and uh, it's been a career that's been over 40 years. That career took me to radio and television. Uh, In my life, my two children and I, we moved to Washington, D.C., and uh, through my period of broadcasting, I've done everything from nationally syndicated programs, but through a quirk of fate, I was Senate confirmed, and I ended up becoming a governor on the Broadcasting Board of Governors that oversees all of our international broadcasting. Why that's significant is I went to places where there was a lot of human suffering, places like Venezuela, North Korea, uh, Beijing, Russia, uh, Kosovo, uh, Serbia, places that you would not, I met with the Uyghurs, uh, those people that now are in concentration camps. So fast forward, after I leave, I go back into broadcasting, and I have the blessing of meeting Andy Berger. Now, Andy is my guest on my show, 
And you talk about your eyes opening to someone who is absolutely a true heroine, someone who has actually faced the demons that life could put in front of her, kept her faith, in fact, really was inspired by God not to kill herself, and to go on and became a, become a real savior. I thought I've got to be able to be a friend to her, and together we have worked uh, with Beulah's Place and to, to the formation of Voices Against Trafficking. I'm very honored to do that because, like you, Chris, I know what a good guy you are. We have a conscience, and that's part of the responsibility of the fourth estate of us as journalists and broadcasters. If we can make a difference for the good, then we shouldn't sit on the sidelines. We can do that. Our voices are important, and that's kind of the significance of Voices Against Trafficking. I had a, had a friend one time who said to me, listen, BQ, he said, when someone asks you if you will help them, don't just halfway help them. That doesn't do any good. If you just halfway help somebody, you don't make a difference. If you're going to help someone, really help them and change the life of that person and change the direction of the world. So that has been my commitment with Andy. And I've had many blessings through all these great, uh, powerful, uh, I would say, activists and real courageous people that are making the fight against this insidious evil of human trafficking. Well, it sounds like your first interaction with Andy was the same as mine. And you know, <laughs> we go from being a guest and a host to, to being time. friends and working on other things. And so, um, you know, Andy, I've said this to you several times, but yours was one of the most, I think, the most difficult interview I've ever had to give. But I also think one of the most powerful and important ones. And so thank you for coming back on again to, to share your message and your story. Thank you. So depending on who's describing it, the situation or the crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border has been the top of the news recently. It's also been the top of your minds as far as the dangers posed to children. Describe for us what you see going on at the border and what's happening with children who are there. Well, we have a situation at the border that is absolutely obscene because for a lot of the people that are coming across, remember the cartels right now, the, the, the incidents of human trafficking, we're talking about not just people coming over to try to get jobs or citizenship or to live in this country. They're taking people and using them as sexual slaves, insidious. And it has increased almost to 2,000%. They're putting children, for example, in San Antonio, the Freeman Coliseum, which is a place that they used to have the circus. The uh, Coliseum is putting all these young people and they're not monitoring, they're not getting COVID shots, they're not monitoring whether they're being violated, raped, etc. So consequently, you talk about at this time when we've been through situations where we should have an institutional memory of what this is all about going back to World War II, why are we not doing something? Voices Against Trafficking is finally taking a stand and Andy will tell you about the two great women from Mexico who are, one is on the border of Tijuana and California, and the other one is in Mexico City. Andy, tell them about Rosie and Alma. They are, they are heroines as well. I mean, these ladies, Rosie and Alma, they are, they are right where the action is, so to speak, and they have worked so hard. They took nothing and made, made shacks that became shelters, and they're continuing to rescue as many kids as possible you know, that, that are left at the border or that have been harmed or that are simply abandoned. And so they are working as hard as we are, you know, to help uh, as many kids as possible. And when you think about it, you know, Chris, these kids are literally thrown over the, the walls. I mean, right. five-year-olds, four-year-olds, I mean, they're being... Two-year-olds. Yeah, two-year-olds. And so who do they expect? I mean, what parent would allow that to happen? And secondly, you know, what if there aren't enough resources or enough people to take in all these kids? Like uh, BQ said, the, the Coliseum is full, the shelters are full, the military bases, you know, everything they're using, there is not enough. And when you see these kids are like body on body. Are there bathrooms? Are they being fed? Yeah. Uh, they're not. They're not being checked for any disease or health issues. That is so so unfair and tragic for these children. And, and if the, they uh, had family, no, then why is the family there? But the other thing, Andy, you and I have talked about this, is that they're not allowing really the the, the press to go in. You know, Chris, you no. and I couldn't go in and cover it. We couldn't find out what's going on. So they want to keep it in the dark. Uh, for example, in the situation in the Freeman Coliseum, the board of the Freeman Coliseum made the decision, not the governor of the state, not any uh, elected official, and they didn't even want the governor to go in, and he went in. 
But the question is, you know, uh, you know, with the case of the two-year-old and the five-year-old and those kids that have been thrown over the bridge, uh, over the fence rather, they they write their names on their arm and with a phone number, they write a phone number on there so that when the child is picked up, it's where they're supposed to deliver them. The fact of the matter, they don't know if it's a parent. They don't know if it's a trafficker. They have no idea. And they, the, the word in Mexico is that to get in, take a kid. And so that's, and the kids, the parents that want to come across, they are basically in servitude. And sometimes they give up their kids that are going to be carrying a backpack with drugs or they're being used for sexual exploitation. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about the children being thrown over the fence. You know, millions of people recently saw the video of an off-duty Border Patrol agent who came across a young boy who was in tears after he'd been abandoned by a group coming to the United States. He was left wandering all alone. He told the agent he was afraid he was going to be kidnapped. How do you think he knew, even at this young age, that he was in such grave danger? Well, because he was also starving and because he was alone. And even at five years old, I mean, I'm sure you have memories at five years old. Uh, you know, you would be afraid of the dark. You don't know which way to go. I mean, through the grace of God, he was able to find somebody that took him in. It's like those kids just the other day and in Texas that were five children that these the farmer found them and the wife, and they were little kids. They were abandoned. Mm-hmm. And without water, without food, without provisions, I think to your point, Chris, that possibly that young boy had already been abducted or had seen abductions, you know, himself at that tender age. And why wouldn't he? Like we just said, you know, most kids are afraid of the dark or afraid of strangers, you know, in a, and here he is in a different country even with nobody attached to him to help him navigate. So, of course, he would be afraid. I'm sure most children in that situation already know what happens to their friends or to people that are their ages. Peer, uh, you know, peer witnessing is very strong at that age. So, and Andy, you were that age when you were going to go out and yes. commit suicide. That's when Absolutely. you, what, what always moves me in Andy's story, and, and you speak to this, Andy, is that you didn't really know about God, but then you heard that voice that said, don't do this. I have another plan for you. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I wouldn't have known about suicide. So to that end, uh, I think these kids are very well aware, whether it's through God's voice or other people, they know when they're in danger. Most children do. You both know I'm a father. I'm a dad. I can't begin to imagine what a parent must be thinking. How difficult must it be to send a small child to another country with complete strangers and hope that they'll arrive safely? How is that something that's humanly possible? Well, remember, there's the thing that people don't want to really talk about, Chris, are the cartels. Right now, you know, Mexico, for reporters, for people like you and me, if we were covering it in Mexico, it's the most dangerous place. Reporters Without Borders says, dangerous place in the world. So you've got the cartels that are fighting each other. The one that's, for example, in uh, Juarez and around there near El Paso, it's La Linea Cartel. But you have the Zetas, you have, I mean, all these different factions that are vying for control, and they don't care about kids. The La Linea, they'll kill kids. They're collateral damage to them. So consequently, the parents to survive, especially if they've got big families, some of their, one of their children is going to be the one that they, they let go. Not all of them. But, and then and they're finding out, too, in these facilities, there's a lot of men that are trying to pass off as teenagers, but they're not. Absolutely. And, and another thing, too, as a parent, let's just say, you know, there are some undereducated parents out there who think, you know, well, if I send my kid, you know, across the border, they'll have a better life. But really, the reality is, how can you possibly think that in this day and age, in this climate, Okay, that sending a child with a stranger or paying a stranger to take a child, you have absolutely no idea who that person really is, and right. and they're not going to send Western Union to your house to say, hey, by the way, your child made it here safe and sound, and everything's all great. That is not what is happening. The going rate right now is about 3200 for a child at the border, and you can do whatever you want, you know, with them. Right. The well, and... And the other thing is it's really more that for that, uh, like 12000 for an adult. So yes, consequently, yes. they got to figure out a way to pay it off. And, you know, it's like somebody that's a, a, a super gambler. At some point, you got to pay the piper. 
And these children, the, I keep saying this because it's true. They say, get a child because they're going to be more lenient with you. And the child, how are they? How are you going to prove that it's not your, your son or your daughter? They're not doing blood testing. They're not doing DNA. And consequently, uh, there's just so many of them. I think yesterday they had in one border area, there were 900 that came across, but there are mm-hmm. thousands. And, you know, I grew up on the border. I grew up, my grandmother lived in Tijuana. I lived on the border between Matamoros and, and Brownsville. You know, they used to be great borders. It has changed completely, but also you've got, the majority are not from Mexico. They're from, and you know, Honduras, which is very poor, Salvador, you know, uh, Nicaragua, Panama, Venezuela, a lot trying to come in from Venezuela, but then you also have a lot coming in from other places from the Middle East, including Iran. So, you know, there's a lot that people trying to avert their eyes and ears to the truth of what's happening. Absolutely. A lot of that is denial. And who's financing the boats that bring these, you know, folks over? Who's financing the the gas that has to go into the boat and the person that has to, you know, run the boat, all of that kind of stuff? Where is that money coming from? So it's it's a lot bigger picture than most people can comprehend right now. But the main thing is this is a human rights issue. It's not partisan. It's not political. This is about living human beings that deserve to be protected. And deserve to have compassion, not the way uh, it was stated before all of this happened, but but the creditors have the upper hand, and they're being allowed to abuse these innocents, and that is why we need a public outrage, a united outrage. And they're being dropped off in places all around the country that we don't know where they're going. One time, literally, Chris, this is God's truth. I was coming back from a state broadcasting convention in Austin, and there were four or five of us journalists in the car. And all of a sudden, we saw these big white moving vans. I mean, we're talking like about the size of a a regular moving van that you'd hire to move your house. There were probably about 90 of them headed toward the border with unmarked licenses. We couldn't find out who they were and where they were going. We tried, all of us, tried all our sources. We couldn't discover what was going on. So I watched the news last night, and they said everyone that they'd interviewed that day that they had come across was from Venezuela. And they said second to that was Cuba. The media is covering this as a border issue, some call it a crisis, more focused on immigration. You know, how is this topic of human trafficking not being discussed more? Is it, is it taboo? Is it not mainstream media? Is it unspoken ungodliness? I, I think it's a mixture. Uh, definitely, it does not get the press. Human trafficking isn't a new issue, even though in the last 20 years it's become a little more open. Uh, familial family trafficking has gone on for generations. And I literally worked with a victim whose aunt told her, hey, we survived it. You'll just have to take it and survive it, too. That's what they did. They They didn't prosecute the uncle, the grandfather, any of the men in that family, not one person in that generation. Um, so she was the first out of several generations to even speak about it. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is nobody wants to talk about the icky right. elephant in the room, right? That's not tabletop conversation in some circles. But the fact is, we know every 40 seconds a child, 18 and under, is being abducted. I was in a parking lot yesterday, and there were two young kids in the backseat of a car, Granted, the, the motor was running and there was air conditioning, but Chris, I, I had to call it in. I'm like, I waited. I, I tried to look okay. for an adult, not anybody in the stores around it. Who does that? That's irresponsible and negligent because it's not just, oh, they'll suffocate. No, they'll be taken, you know, every 40 seconds. And that's how easy it is for a predator to say, well, nobody's paying attention. I'll grab those. Chris, can I talk to you uh, briefly about Venezuela? Mm-hmm. Because I went to Venezuela as a governor uh, over with our broadcasting. And I was there when a lot of these big networks were being shut down by the Chavistas. The one thing you find out immediately, who's in Venezuela? Well, you have Cuba. You've got the Cuban military that are really basically the ones that are uh, patrolling the streets, coupled with the Russian military that helped them to arrest citizens. You've got Iran. That I saw billboards everywhere. Okay, China. China has had a facility at that time, which was uh, so big, so many acres, but they wouldn't let anybody in there. 
And, you know, uh, Chavez was bad. Maduro is worse. There is no free press. They have a media police. And so the Cubans, the Cuban doctors, they didn't want to have to go in, but they were sent in by Castro. And But the thing that they did was they were using that to be able to escape, to get out. So think about it. If they're going to get out right now, they can't buy milk. They can't buy diapers. They can't get anything in the black market. They're really starving. And again, the cartels are putting in all that, you know, the uh, uh, drugs that are coming in from Bolivia, through Colombia, through Venezuela. And then who's... Think about the Panama Canal. Who's it being controlled by? The Chinese. Mm -hmm. Nicaragua, they were going to build another uh, canal. Who is it going to be controlled by? The Chinese. So people have to wake up and see what's going on in our world that's going to threaten our national security and who are going to be at risk? The innocents. They're going to be the ones that are collateral damage, those sweet little children. Absolutely. And most mainstream media, like you said, Chris, won't touch this. That's why we, we are so grateful to you and, and your compassion and your bravery, really, because if every news network, if every podcaster, every person in media even spent 30 seconds to give a hotline number out, to create awareness, to point people in the direction yeah. where they can get more information, you know, if they don't want to go into a full story about it, if they would show somebody like me who actually made it, you know, a positive, you know, so that you balance the, the heaviness of the topic. We know it's a heavy topic, but it's a necessary topic because we're losing the future of every country, which is its youth and it's young people and the women who will not be able to bear babies because right. they were raped too many times. And Chris, you know, like, like Andy says, we're so blessed to have someone of your caliber be a voice along with us and have that conscience. And, you know, Andy, I don't know if she's ever told this to you, but I've seen it. You get a kid that is afraid to be able to even, you know, release any information about themselves. But somehow, Andy, because she's been this courageous survivor, and I mean, they're like just, I guess the British call it stoom. They just don't open their mouth and say anything. Andy gets over there, and she has that little way of letting them know that she's been there, and she shares a little bit, and man, the flow. They they found someone that they can believe in and trust. And like Andy says, if they know someone is real, what a miracle that is. So oh, what does thing? <laughs> sorry. So what do states and the federal government need to be doing today, right now, to stop a flow of children from Central America to our border? Well, actually. You've got some good people out there in different states that are trying. They want to make sure that the uh, that they get a handle on the Border Patrol. They have to support the Border Patrol. They have to support, like, governors like Abbott in Texas. Uh, you know, they, they come, they're taking a strong stand. And, they're, and really what I would really like to see is a summit of these presidents and these Central American countries along with Mexico and having our president, regardless if it's a Democrat or Republican, stop it and help them to be able to figure out how we can work together to help them have a, have a middle class, to help them fight the cartels, because right now those cartels are running places like Mexico. They're so powerful. So we've got to come together and try to be able to help them help themselves and be able to allow these people who are living in these countries to have a place to work, to stay, and not to have to be feeling the threat of the cartels. Absolutely. I agree with that. And when we do catch the predators, when we do catch them, uh, they need to be put away. They need to be punished, and they need to be locked up because the two things a victim wants is their predator in jail for life or dead. And Arizona is making a great move on that. They are um, tr trying to pass uh, or will pass a law that says if you're a child abuser and you're caught, you're going to go right. away for life. And I hope every state picks that up and, and other nations follow because that's the only way you keep them away from their product, which is our children, our young people, you know, uh, innocence of any age. But again, uh, we have to ask for it. We have to demand it. We have to say, hey, Congress, or hey, legislators, or hey, you know, president of this country, let's find a way to make a solution that all of us, you know, can enforce, all of us can live with. 
because right now we made all this progress the last few years and it has gone completely out the window because there's no way to vet the predators or vet who is in charge of them. Even, you know, in Oregon, the former um, Speaker of the House, who is actually still a current board member on a community college, was just cited for sex trafficking. You know, so on a state level, on a regional level, we have to know who is the district attorney prosecuting any cases. Is the mayor speaking up? Are we a refuge town? You know, all across America, we need to do this because every 40 seconds our kids are being taken. We've been talking to Andy Berger and Blanquita Cullum. I'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to Chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back with Andy Berger and Blanquita Cullum. And today's topic is human trafficking. Andy, you've told your story in your book, A Fragile Thread of Hope, One Survivor's Quest to Rescue. In it, you shared your journey to healing and personal triumph. As you mentioned earlier, finding God at a very young age, at the age of five, was a major moment for you. How did your faith and other factors lead you to find the strength to get through the abuse? Well, that is a big question. And thank goodness I have a big God because you're right. The faith, knowing that somebody was out there and believing, wanting to believe so badly, it was kind of a blind faith that, you know, I'm going to be okay if I can just get through the next day. And and sometimes the, the, the beatings, the tortures, the other things, it was so bad. I, I, I screamed out, please let me die. Just let me die. I, I just want to come home. You know, I, I had heard about heaven. That's where I want to be. So let me go. And and it just was a day-to-day, moment-to-moment. I tell victims sometimes 
every second is a prayer because that's the only way you can move forward. But the great thing is there is the hope. You know, if I live, I win. You know, if I die, they would have won, the evil people. That's kind of primal, but that's how it started. And then as I got older and I realized that, you know, there is a loving God, there is a a great opportunity for us who have been um, hurt in any way. All pain is relative. You don't have to be trafficked to have trauma, you know, but all of that, he cares about that and he wants us to move forward and help those who need to know they're not alone. And that, you know, there is success that you can have healthy relationships like I do, you know, with my husband and now my daughter who we adopted and and we originally got her through, you know, the shelter that we created. Um, She was one of the girls we rescued and it's been amazing. So God was faithful because I chose to believe that I had a plan and a purpose in my life. People who aren't familiar with sexual abuse, especially child sexual abuse, often wonder why the victim doesn't just speak up and say something. Would you address that? And then in cases of human trafficking, there are other dynamics at work that keep victims quiet. Could you talk about those as well? Yes, absolutely. First of all, if you're being uh, uh, abused by a family member, you're usually protected by the bloodline. Okay, because if it's the mother, the father, a brother, a sibling, you know, no one's going to question, oh, well, it's just kid stuff or that probably didn't happen or, you know, they'll they'll disregard it because it's family business, family secrets. Okay, when it's outside of the family unit, someone always knows when a child is being abused, it's whether they have the courage to speak up and say something um, to help that child. But it's not that easy. When I was told every single day my life could be taken, you know, my birth mother chased me around with with a meat cleaver when I was three years old. So I was well impressed with the fact that my life literally could be taken any time and nobody would care and nobody would know. When I got older and tried to get help, those adults thought they were doing me a favor by telling my birth parents that I had reached out and I paid a greater price than if I hadn't. So the fear factor, the mental control, the, the, the problem is, is that even at 18, I still had all of that in my head and in my memory bank. So I was mentally ahead of most people because of the life I had, but I was emotionally very behind, which made me vulnerable in other areas. But now I was an adult and I was vulnerable and I didn't know how to protect myself. So that's part of the, the child abuse part of it. Um, the other part of it is that um, sometimes uh, with the trafficking part, the same thing. Victims go through trauma. It's just escalated. There can be money involved. There can be multiple, multiple, 20 to 26 uh, uh, people a day using them, which even as an adult would be a tremendous task to survive let alone a child's body, a teenager's body, a college kid's body. So they're enduring things that probably people who have been in wars and seen horrible things go through. PTSD, always there. It's whether people survive that or get the help they need for it. So for any victims out there right now listening, you are not alone and it was not your fault. We, a lot of times, feel it's our fault because, well, I must have done something wrong. I used to think I was just too stupid and they, they, they kept doing these things to me. And I didn't know how to get out of it because there wasn't anyone to help me. You know, we may have talked about this before. I'm involved in another organization uh, focused on mental health and empowerment. And one of the programs we're working on is virtual reality for victims of sexual trauma. And I tried it. I, I used it. And I'm 6'3", 200 pounds. And it scared the hell out of me. I I did did it once. So I can't imagine multiple times a day, two dozen times a day uh, is just beyond fathomable to me. Mm -hmm. So to that point, BQ, we've talked before about the dangers posed to children and teenagers right here in our own country, our own states, communities, our our front and backyard. Something as seemingly as innocent as we have work for teens, we'll pick you up. What are the stats involving children and human trafficking here in the United States? Andy has a better handle on the stats, but I'll tell you what we have put together that I think, and I'll, I'll, I'll you know, let Andy answer that part of it because she really does know the stats. But one of the things, and I say this as a mother and a grandmother, parents nowadays have to go back old school. They have to know what their kids are doing. 
They can't be afraid to say to them, well, who are your friends? They want to spend the night. Well, are there, who's the father? Uh, do, do they have brothers or sisters? Uh, who's going to be at home? The other thing that we've come together and decided, which I use with my own kids, I said, I don't care what time it is. If you've got a problem, you call me. And I give them a code word. And right now we, we still use that code word. If, if, I, if they know if I, if I talk to them and I use that word, they need to call the cops. Uh, and the thing of it is, I think parents need to go and check out what's on their computer. Are they using TikTok? Who are they talking to online? If they don't want to have you see what's on their computer, take their computer away from them. Because right now, you're not doing it to be a jerk, but you're not supposed to be their big pal. You're their parent. And you're going to rescue them. You want to know who their teachers are? Heck, I can remember when my son was a little boy, I'd go, I mean, I was one of those wacko ones. I'd go to the bathroom and say, are you okay? Because I think that has to, and that's something that Andy and I came up with this list. And it, Andy, I know you have a better handle on the stats than I do. But honestly, we have to go back to being old school parents. What are you watching on television? Uh, okay, who are you talking? What kind of video games? Who are the movies? You know, we have a very famous uh, minister, and I won't mention his name, but he's out of Texas. Very famous, good man. And his, uh, he and his wife went to the movies with their little girl. Well, the little girl uh, disappeared. She was in the bathroom. The mother, fortunately, screamed because she realized the little girl wasn't there and had been taken. They shut the doors in the theater, and thank God they finally found her. The, the predator had taken her into a bathroom, actually the men's bathroom, and locked her in mm -hmm. the bathroom. So people have to be hands-on now and look out for their kids and not be lazy about it or not feel that they're going to offend their kid. Their kid will be less offended if they're safe. Absolutely, because it's not the way it used to be. Like the accused that we need to go old school. But in terms of stats, you know, we're looking at over $160 billion globally. $99 billion of that is sex trafficking. Okay, that's how much demand there is for that type of activity. In the U.S., we're probably about $40 billion a year right now. It's going to, you know, overtake drug trafficking as the number one illegal activity, nothing that we should be proud of in this country. But the gangs are realizing, hey, it's easier to sell my girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, 12, right. 20 times a night and make more money. And I don't have to make drugs. I don't have to manage it, distribute it. I don't, less chances to get caught because that victim is not going to run home and tell mom or dad, hey, guess what happened to me? You know? They just aren't. But, but the thing so of it is, I think we have to go back to the fact that you've got to be able to hear the bad news that your kids have to tell you. If they yes, had a bad absolutely. night, you have to have a situation like and telling them, look, I don't care what it is. I'm not going to go after you. If you've done something that you think you're ashamed of, tell me. That's right. Because And absolutely. you also have the kids. If the kids are going to meet, have them meet at your house so that you know where they are. And the other thing is, go meet the Boy Scout leader. Go meet the pastor. Go meet the yep. Girl Scout leader. Uh, and let them know that you're an active parent and that you're going to be watching them to know, let them know that you're not a passive parent and just dropping them off and you don't give a darn. Let them know that there's going to be an accountability from you to them and they better cool it and be careful. And the same with mayor, yep. city council people, all of them. They don't get a pass. Absolutely. And the piano teacher, whoever you leave your kids with, we have a, a, a woman that's going to be joining our, our Voices Against Trafficking team, and she is a dance teacher and how corrupt the whole right. dance system is. How many parents listening have sent their kids to ballet school at three or four years old? Oh, they're so cute and their little tutus and their, you know, ballerina stuff. And, and it is not as safe as people would like to believe. And we're not trying to be a doom and gloom. We're just trying to get people awake enough to understand you have got to spend time, whether your child is two years old, 12 years old, you know, 16, Give them the tools they need. Teach them that they have a right to be safe. They have a right to protect Absolutely. themselves, you know, and to not be touched or not to be preyed upon. If they make a mistake, have the grace, have the mercy, to, like BQ said, listen to them yeah. without judgment. And if it's something that needs, you know, uh, some kind of uh, boundary or disciplinary thing, fine. But you want that child safe so that you can be at their wedding or their graduation Absolutely. or their prom their college graduation. Here, and here's the thing, you know, USC, 700 girls 
you know, a, a, a respected right. OBGYN, and if that can happen to your college student, you're paying all that money for that education, you know, why didn't you teach them how to be safe and how to talk to you? Hey, this didn't feel right to me. I don't know what to do right. about it, mom, dad, grandma. So we need to help right. our, our kids t- uh, talk to us. And also, I think it's important for parents to teach the kids the value of themselves. Yes. To understand that they have, uh, you know, that they're very valuable, and that they're respected in that family, and that you will always defend them. My dad used to say that. Look, he said, when you come into this house, you know, you can close the door and you're safe. And I think that that has to be something that kids have to be able to have a confidence that their parents are going to protect them. And we have, you know, you have kids. That, you know, we we think how wonderful it has to. It is to have children, but we have to be their defenders. I mean, we think about the numbers of human trafficking. I think, Chris, you and I have talked about this a bit. That's 21st century slavery. You know, we talk about we don't want to go back and have the slave trade again. I'm right here in Alexandria, Virginia, where they have this whole area where slaves are auctioned off. Well, this is secret slavery. We have to say it, it doesn't it doesn't matter which religion, it doesn't matter which gender, which you know uh, choice, which pronoun, whatever whatever thing that is important to you, these people, these victims are slaves and they and they abuse them in secret. And right now there there's so much going on that if we don't stand up, I mean we should be the ones that respect the honor of those people who fought slavery at its inception. And where are those people right now to fight this 21st century slavery that's happening right now? Who is going to give the reparation to some slavery, to the slaves that are being transported across the border, moved around the country, taken internationally, babies that don't have anyone that are defending them? Because, well, we've got other issues that are more significant and politically right now it's not convenient. Damn it, it's time for Americans to stand up for human rights. If you believe in human rights, then for God's sake, stand up against human trafficking. Absolutely. And that's exactly why Voices Against Trafficking was created. And and just to be clear, child abuse is kind of the big umbrella, but it's all abuse. Everything under that is trafficking, right. pornography, neglect, abandonment. You you starve your child, you abandon your child. We're working with a minor teen that was malnutrition, has had no dental work. You know, we're going to take care of her. But how many are out there like that? You know, uh, if right. you have chemical issues, you know, we've got grandparents raising a second set of kids because maybe their kids are dysfunctional or, or have mental issues or have drug issues or alcohol issues. So, you know, they're already tired from raising a generation and now they're doing it again. So there's a lot of stress out there and, and the numbers have gone up, but we can't even get a handle on the exact numbers because no one's reporting. No one has the ability to to vet out all the complaints, to, to gather all the information. But what we do know, at least 40% of domestic violence complaints have gone up or, or issues. So we know that trafficking has definitely gone up. And the, and the statistics over a long period of time show that maybe one out of 100 victims will survive. You know, Mother so Teresa, talking- they used to say to Mother Teresa, how can you deal with it? It's, it's so much. There's just so much. And, you know, she'd say one at a time. And so, I mean, That's clearly right. with Voices Against Trafficking, I mean, it's just so pervasive. It's such an insidious evil. It's so massive. And I... I know that we're realistic. We know we can't we can't cure it all. We can't stop it. But I think it's important for us to try because at least we're making a difference for some. And for those that we can help, they have a future. They don't have to end up in the street. I mean, think about what Andy does. She's saved a lot of these kids who are sleeping in their cars or going back to drugs. They end up being prostitutes. That's not a choice. That's a, that's a violation of their lives because they have no future. And... I mean, she's a real, honest-to-God savior. I honor her and all those people that are on Voices Against Trafficking. You and I, Chris, we have the opportunity to reach some people and spread that message. 
Absolutely. And it's because of every voice, whether you're at home, whether you're working, whether you have money, don't have money, you can be one of our voices simply just going to voicesagainsttrafficking.com and just say, add my voice. You know, I don't know what I could do, but I want to be part of the solution at the very least. And secondly, uh, Chris, you mentioned what do parents, what can we do as a society? You know, go to our help and hotline section of voicesagainsttrafficking.com. There are numbers for National Human Trafficking Hotline, National Child Abuse Hotline, Suicide Hotline. If you're a parent or an adult and you feel you're on the edge and you may lose control with your child, call one of those numbers. They will help you too without judgment. So we want people to have tools and resources. Um, It's why we do our quarterly forums, you know, so that uh, we bring speakers from all different countries all over sharing information, very short segments so people can get good knowledge, the truth about what's happening with trafficking. We're excited that you're going to be one of our moderators (laughs) for those forums in September. So um, we definitely are looking forward to that. But anyway, go ahead, BQ probably has something. Well, I was going to say the other thing, the other thing I would really say is that know who your mayor is, know who the members of the city council or the aldermen are, your state Mm -hmm. reps, your congressmen, the congressmen are great, even better than the senators in a way. The senators, it's good if you can get to know them. But the congressmen go back home every other couple of weeks. So they have an office in D.C. and they have an office in the district. They also have to get reelected every two years. So you can hold them accountable. And they need to see you there. I remember there was this group of women in the San Antonio City Council that would go every Thursday to the meetings and they were called las gorudas. That means the hat ladies. And they'd sit there in this group like Madame Lafarge, you know, during the French Revolution. But they'd be there. They were from a kind of a poor district. And, man, they'd go meet together. They'd dress well. They'd go meet with those members of the city council. And they let them know that they were watching them. And they affected a lot of change. And they'd go meet with the head of the newspaper. And they'd meet with the radio stations. Well, that was an important lesson for me to see because I realized that we have power. If we, you know, we sometimes we feel overwhelmed by the massive movements and so forth. We, we don't need to rescind our power and give up. There are ways to make a difference. And guys like you, Chris, you know, you, you've come on to this wonderful, wonderful program. You have great program. You're making a difference every time you get on the air. Absolutely. And we are so grateful. And I'm sorry, my voice got a little scratchy there. I've just been doing a lot of talking. But you know, that's the way we get it done. I talk to you, you talk to someone else, you promote it, we promote it. And if one person who listens today tells one more person, we have already won. Because that one person may tell somebody whose child would have been endangered at the grocery store or at the big events, uh, you know, Super Bowl, all of those events. It may seem like a safe idea to let two 10-year-olds go up and buy their own soda, but really have an adult with them or at least in the vicinity watching because in seconds. It will it will happen, just like Absolutely. you said with the girl in the bathroom. And so, and there are predators who don't care if they have to kill collateral kids, and they will do that. So, yeah. we want people to be aware, be a little more involved, be less concerned about you, uh, and more concerned about your kids. I can't tell you how many kids I have helped uh, and helped right. rescue because the parent chose a boyfriend or girlfriend over their child. And that child ended up on the street because they didn't know what else to do or where to go, how to get food. And we're talking 15, 14-year-old girls. And so prime age for a predator. And so we're trying to help people understand if you're going to have a social life, you know, make sure you are thinking about your child first. Not that you can't have one. And for the kids out there, you don't have to be out there alone. There are a lot of people wanting to help you. If you can reach out, you know, that's what the numbers are for. But we are here to get as many victims saved and help rehabilitate the victims that are already here. Andy, you've got numbers, too, on the Voices site and on Beulah's Place mm-hmm. that you might want to yes. tell folks about. Because really and truly, that they are so helpful. We've had people say that they were grateful that you put those numbers out there. It's like you read my Absolutely. notes. Absolutely. 
Okay. Okay. So, so please, <laughs> Andy, true. how can people help? <laughs> Uh, well, gosh, Chris, thanks for asking. They can help by going to voicesagainsttrafficking.com and look at our helpline tab, and there will be a list of numbers, uh, the human uh, trafficking hotline number, which is 888-373-7888, just so you know, 888-373-7888. That's human trafficking, but we have hotlines for child abuse. We have hotlines for um, suicide prevention. If you're in the military and you're under stress, there's a hotline for that. You know, if you have alcohol or drug issues, there's a hotline for that. We want to help you be the best you because at some point you will be involved with the child. And that's the first way to make sure a child is safe is to make sure you're safe. That's right. There's no greater love than you can invest in your child than to try to help them have a good life and a safe life and a protected life. It doesn't mean you have to just smother them with attention, but the idea that they know that they can come to you and that you're not going to turn away and that you'll fight for them. That's critical. Mm -hmm. And we'll get those numbers on our social media platforms. And so thank you for sharing those. And Andy Berger and BQ Cullum, it's clear that you cherish the worth and the value of all humankind, obviously, especially children, and will inspire our audience to elevate innocence and all that they do. You truly are beacons of hope in the darkest of situations and inspirations for men you seek to find and, and to maintain their own peace of mind. So thank you both so much for being with us today. We loved it. Thank you, Chris. Yes, always a pleasure to be with you. And thanks for being part of our team and part of the solution. Again, having a conscience. My honor, my privilege. And thank you to our audience for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek. For more details about upcoming shows and guests, please follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Chris Meek public figure and on Twitter at Chris Meek underscore USA. We'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place with another leader from the world of business, politics, sports, or entertainment. Until then, stay safe and keep taking your next steps forward. Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life.